Hey, I'm your host, Sarah Sennett. I'm a master's qualified digital marketer. Together, we're going to up-level your marketing game. My aim for the Marketing Mindset Club is to give you clarity on how to create and communicate value, learn the latest marketing techniques, build your skill set, and develop the confidence you need to get the results you want. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Marketing Mindset Club. Here we are in episode six of the first season, and I've been so happy to read your messages and reviews. It really makes me smile so much to know I'm helping you out and giving you some positive food for thought in your marketing. If you're new to the club, welcome in. Your spot is right here. Grab a cuppa and settle in. I'm all about supporting you as a marketer to help you grow your business. And whether you're working on your own business or wearing every hat under the sun from accountant to warehouse manager, or you're working for an established business that needs to adapt following COVID-19, I am here for you. That's an especially big welcome from me to you if you've just graduated from uni. Woohoo! So many congratulations. I hope you are super chuffed with your results and you deserve to be after all that hard work. But how on earth are you going to get your first job in this market? Well, my friends, it's all about getting the edge. And I hope this podcast will help you. And together we can definitely get you there. If you're new to the show, this is how it's going to go. Each episode is split into three bits. The digital news bit and what matters about the top stories. The learning bit where I'll deep dive on a tool, a technique or a strategy that you can use. And the real life lessons bit, where we'll talk about stuff I've learned in my marketing and through being a marketer. So let's get going. In the news this week, there seems to be a feeling of nostalgia taking over some brands and their ads, most likely trying to capture the mood of the nation as we breathe a collective sigh of relief that lockdown is basically over. Whether or not you think the timing of that is right uh, is a whole other discussion. But the pubs are reopening and holidays are happening again. TUI has launched a new campaign to reassure holidaymakers and it's focused on looking forward. It's designed specifically to emote memories of holiday moments. The first dip in the pool, someone else doing the cooking and so on. And the visuals are all set in these glorious backdrops with the most beautiful light and surroundings. It's certainly very emotive and will probably be really successful for them as most of the UK looks for an antidote to lockdown cabin fever. Carlsberg have chosen a similar theme to welcome back pub goers. They've recently been undergoing a reinvention and did a flip on their previous strapline, probably the best beer in the world. You may remember seeing that last year. They did a reposition of what they described as a head-to-hop rethink. This has worked out really well for them. And so this last campaign is trying to move them even closer to their tribe by showing how well they understand the nation's craving for a pint in a pub. I think this approach is really interesting because they are both effectively tapping into the emotional state of the nation. And that's a really powerful way to influence decision making. So if you're thinking about your messaging right now, think about how you can tap into that sense of nostalgia and getting life back to having all the good things that we enjoy and love. But it's not about rushing back to the normal that we had before. There's a sense of keeping the good bits and leaving the bits we didn't want behind. For instance, Marketing Week reported that shoppers are only slowly feeling more comfortable with returning to the shops in person. 
Just under a third say they will still avoid shopping in person for now. And just over half of the shoppers surveyed felt shops weren't doing enough to protect the public from coronavirus. So while there may be a nostalgia to get back to shopping in person, that's not a particularly widely held strength of feeling just yet. If I were a retailer, I'd still be focusing on fulfilment and customer service from an operational perspective and things like breadth of range, speed of delivery and the ability to shop local but online if that's appropriate. There's still a significant job to do to capture the purchase though. A a recent report stated that 35% of all online transactions during lockdown were made on Amazon. Now, this report was gated, so I haven't seen the whole thing, but I think the statement refers to UK purchases. They also state that the intention to purchase from Amazon would decline to just 21% of the audience after lockdown. So that suggests there is a customer base out there looking for an alternative retail experience. Now, obviously, there's no getting away from Amazon's global coverage, and I can't argue against having your products on there unless there's a very strong brand reason not to. But if you're a small business, you could focus your energy on getting involved in the shop local movement. There are over 36 million posts on that hashtag on Instagram alone, plus multiple local accounts boosting shops in specific geographic areas. And a recent YouGov poll showed that 80% of those who shopped locally during the pandemic will continue to do so after lockdown is over. So make the most of that opportunity. Here's something interesting. A company called Pulsar, who are an audience intelligence company, have developed something called the Public Emotions Framework. Now, they say it tracks fluctuations in public sentiment across the UK and the US. And it was originally created for their advertising clients in both countries. Now, I'm still not clear on how this actually works, but I think what they did was to create a set of keyword indicators which sat along four emotional scales. And these were joy to sadness, acceptance to fatigue, anger to fear and caution to admiration. Then they observed Twitter conversations and mapped the frequency of the selected keywords to give a sentiment indicator. It sounds really interesting, but you might ask yourself, why am I telling you this since we can't access the live platform? Well, the key outcome that I spotted from the observations written about the data was the increasing conversation around the need for community. We saw at the beginning of lockdown the mass mobilisation of those who found themselves furloughed from their employer to volunteer in the NHS, delivering groceries for neighbours and running errands for those who were shielding. Now there's a theme in this data that suggests our new normal could include a more selfless collective. The community once again became essential for our collective existence and that's why I think we've seen messaging around the we're all in this together theme. So how can you make the most of this as a brand? Not to capitalise from it, I should say, but instead to deliver value. You have an opportunity to make your mark as a business that cares about the local community, values your customers and will always give back. So could you donate your time? Do you have excess stock you could donate or skills that you could use to support your community? If you do it for the right reasons, you'll reap the rewards not only in customer loyalty, but also in content opportunities. On to the learning bit, and today I want to explore the customer decision journey model created by McKinsey. I think this is so relevant right now because it gives you a framework upon which to base your marketing strategy for different touch points. We discussed the marketing flywheel in episode three of this season, which uses the concept of a cyclical customer journey and attracting customers wherever they are in their decision making. 
The customer decision journey model is similar to that, but it isn't limited to just inbound marketing. You can apply it to the whole marketing spectrum. Traditionally, marketers have thought of the customer journey as a linear process. It's been designed as a funnel that filters prospects from awareness through engagement, consideration, purchase and loyalty by a series of engagement touch points. But that's no longer an effective way to plan your marketing communications because it's not reflective of the plethora of digital channels now available to your customers. McKinsey also reckons the changed approach is needed as customers become more discerning and savvy about their purchases, but I'm not sure there's any evidence presented to support their thinking around that. There is certainly more information through a great many more channels available to us than ever before, plus there's the shift from one-way to two-way communications with brands, so perhaps it's to do with opportunity rather than a change in behaviour. So the research led the McKinsey team to define this model as a way of directing maximum spend and messaging to the moments of greatest influence. It comes back to the principle of reaching the right people at the right time with the right message. The McKinsey team formed the model into four phases that are cyclical. So you can imagine them in an oval diagram. You've got initial consideration, active evaluation, or the process of researching potential purchases, closure, which is when customers buy brands, and post-purchase, which is when consumers experience them. The model is based on a trigger moment that starts the thought process for a customer to look for a solution to a problem. They need to buy a product or service to meet a need. Until that point, any brand messaging or product promotion is likely to be wasted in terms of response because there's no need for that person to consider your offer at that time. But the trigger point changes all that. Those accumulated impressions help form the initial consideration set of the products perceived to meet the requirement. According to their research, brands that are in the initial consideration set are up to three times more likely to get the purchase. But all is not lost for brands who aren't in that set. They can interrupt the active evaluation phase if their messaging cuts through. It means that if you're a brand that traditionally has good market awareness, such as a mainstream automotive brand, you can no longer take it for granted that you're in that initial consideration set. You could end up being excluded from active evaluation if you're not being relevant and your message doesn't capture attention. What's interesting about the active evaluation phase is that in the research, two thirds of the touch points include consumer sought information like reviews, word of mouth recommendations, previous experience, etc. And only a third were brand created or traditional pushed marketing. I think we've known for some time that reviews and recommendations are extremely powerful, but I wasn't really aware of the extent of that in terms of the volume of those consumed when a customer is in the active evaluation phase. When a customer reaches the point of closure, the game is on to then gain their loyalty, that all-important repeat business. Their experience here shapes their decision-making when the cycle begins again. There are active and passive customers split between those who actively recommend a brand or product versus those who are open to competitor messaging and may switch their loyalty the next time around. So what can we learn from this model? The first thing is to move away from thinking your customer journey is linear. It's not. It's a continuous cycle of ignoring or consuming your messaging. And the only way to affect impact here is by continually testing that with your target audience. Which brings me on to point two, know your audience. 
Do surveys, research, polls, interviews, whatever you can to gather insights about your target audience. Understand what made your customers buy from you in the first place. Engage the loyal advocates as they'll love to be involved and it'll strengthen their relationship with your brand. Accept that there is very little you can do to create a trigger moment that will change whether or not a potential customer needs your product or service. Your messaging may help persuade them to thinking about why they might need it, but until they know for themselves that they have a need or are trying to solve a problem, that customer is not yet a prospect. Manage your mentions and coverage. If two-thirds of active evaluation touch points are covered in consumer-searched information, you need to be on it when it comes to managing reviews, comments, and incoming engagements from customers. This means a social media management policy that empowers staff working on those channels to be helpful and to resolve any issues swiftly is absolutely crucial. And give prospects and customers useful content. If you go back over episode four in season one, we talk about the Hero Hub and Help content planning model. It's a great way to plan moments of content that engage users at each stage of their decision making. Creating value and being useful should always be the underlying goal. So on to the real life lessons bit. And today, this section isn't so much about marketing itself. It's about managing upwards and communicating with senior stakeholders. Having a marketing mindset means you're all about creating and communicating value. And that applies in all areas of your work. So if you have senior stakeholders you report into, whether or not they are your boss, the board, or the senior team in your client's business, you will probably at some point have to tell them what you're doing, why you're doing it, and the results you've achieved. Now, my experience has taught me these simple, albeit astoundingly obvious principles. Yet, as obvious as they are, until you apply them, it's hard to see how you ever worked without them. Firstly, from the great master himself, Aristotle, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you've told them. Once I structured my presentations in this way, it completely changed how I was able to engage with the top bods. This works because you're making what you want to present easy to understand by providing context, which is the why. They probably can't remember what they signed up to, what you've been working on, and even sometimes why they should care. But by setting up your presentation in this way, you cover all those questions and concerns and make them more open to receiving the message you want to convey. Some people disagree with this principle because they feel as though it can patronise the audience and disengage them. So you'll have to see for yourself whether it's helpful or not, and you'll have to find the right balance. But I found it essential in getting buy-in from those I'm trying to convince and giving me a framework to work with. Secondly, the short mnemonic KISS. Keep it simple sunshine or keep it simple stupid. <laughs> Which variation you've heard probably depends on the person who taught it to you. You may have in your head all the metrics and you may understand intimately the nuanced differences between some of the platform measures that you're going to report on, but I can almost guarantee that some or most of the seniors you're presenting to will not. Sometimes they'll ask for clarification, but sometimes they won't. And whichever outcome occurs, it means your message hasn't landed in the way you wanted it to. So make it super simple to understand, especially when you're reporting figures. And remember the context of your audience. If they are board level or C-suite, they probably have their head in the top level business performance figures every day. So they will be trying to rationalize the numbers you're presenting with the knowledge they already have. 
So if you can link back your narrative and your metrics to bottom line impacts such as average order value, lifetime customer value, leads generated, this will add so much credibility to your argument. And thirdly, be ready to answer those awkward questions. Nothing is ever 100% positive and there is never 100% good news. In fact, sometimes the news is only 10% positive. But the important message here is don't skirt over that. Use it to your credit to deliver learning insights and recommendations for the next set of marketing activities. It'll do wonders for your credibility to be able to answer why on the spot when a senior stakeholder notices a downward trend or an unexpected drop in return on investment. Obviously, this takes time and investigation to achieve, so it goes without saying that you shouldn't leave preparation of a senior management presentation to the last minute. And that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for being part of the Marketing Mindset Club. I'm so glad you tuned in. And a huge thank you to everyone who has left a review so far. I can't tell you how appreciated you are and how thankful I am for your support. If you haven't yet subscribed or left a review, please consider doing so if you're getting value from the show. It really helps me out in my goal to grow this club. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and any questions you have. So head over to the Instagram at Marketing Mindset Club and I'll see you next time.